This is M and Me, produced by MOBA, engineered by Bishop, written by Basis Coppola, narrated by Daniel Henschel. This audio series is based on Max and Bollocks, a narrative-driven AI experiment in NFT art. One story, unique abstract artworks own the future of art history. Go to www.maximbollocks.com for more information. M and me, part one. When do you become an artist? At what point do you go from play acting and become a real life, honest to God artist? It's something I often asked myself when I was younger. Like literally, sometimes I would stand in front of the mirror and ask myself questions while pretending to be interviewed. Who was interviewing me in these fantasies? I can't remember now. A gallery owner, a journalist, some faceless someone or other whose interest in me proved that I had made it, practising for media coverage that would never come. Putting on a thoughtful face, I would ask my reflection, when did you become an artist? Rattling off some fascinating answer or the other, I had probably dozens of soundbites prepared for the day I got asked that question. But it turns out... None of them was correct. The real answer, as it turns out, is that you become an artist when someone pays you for it. Buddy, they don't pay me for being an artist. They pay me to make art of a sort at my day job, but they don't pay me very well. I never really got that big break, never had that right connection, never had a career served up to me like so many lines of blow on a mirror. Instead, I got a job punching up graphic design at a digital agency. I won't bore you with the details of my job. We specialise in deliverables. We leverage multiple platforms. We contort and butcher the norms of aesthetics and the English language and arbitrarily capitalise words we consider important. Which is to say, we sell shit online. And I do the artwork. I have a talent, some, definitely, but not enough that anyone ever tapped me on the shoulder and pulled me out of an ordinary little life. What are you supposed to do if you spent your youth pursuing a dream only to realise that it just wasn't going to happen for you? That is the question I now ask the mirror. So many people throughout history, me included, have assumed they were born to make art, to create something new and unique to leave the world a better place than they found it. Why was I put on earth with the belief that I was made to make art if I wasn't going to be given the chance to make that the centre of my life? What sort of cool trick is this? I was chewing this over, obsessed with it really, the possibility that I didn't exist purely to create when a creature that was came into my life. What if we weren't just born with a talent? What if we were the talent? What if you had, definitively, been put on the earth purely to create? What sort of life would that be? I had been thinking about that the night I met M. This is that story. It begins the night of my 28th birthday. That was the night M came into my life, and also the night my best friend died. Looking back at what I just said now, maybe that's a bit dramatic. Yes, the night I met M was the night that Ben died, but Ben wasn't my best friend. Not even really amongst the top five friends I've ever had. 
it would be more accurate to say that he is, was, uh, my best friend at work, which is to say my only friend at work. Ben was the IT guy, our only IT guy. Weird. We are a digital agency, so you'd think there'd be more than one computer guy. Instead, the company had salesmen, dozens of the fuckers, more every time you looked around. You know the kind, white guys in tan shoes and blue slim-cut suits who fit into them year after year through a combination of P45 and cocaine lunches. Mm. The kind of people who used to bully me in high school, who my mother always assured me would grow up to be losers, and maybe have, but still have ended up in a position where they outrank and can bully me at work. They bullied me, and they bullied Ben which I guess is how we ended up being friends in the first place because it was something we had in common. They were actually a little nicer to Ben, which seemed unfair to me because Ben was a massive nerd. I suppose they had to treat him better because without him, nobody could do their job. He did everything vaguely IT-related. The SEO, the ROI, all the acronyms we charged a lot of money to yell at gullible clients. So, he was afforded certain privileges. He also got his own office, of a sort. They kept him at the far end of the building, alone in a sort of closet that housed the office servers. It was like something out of a bad sci-fi. An airless little room made even smaller, with banks upon banks of computers, exhaust fans, blinking green lights naked wiring running from one wall to the next in an elaborate abstract sculpture. And right in the middle, Ben made a little nest where he worked. He was a strange unit, Ben. You had to knock, or you'd startle him in the middle of some delicate circuit board operation. At the beginning of the day, he'd come in, maybe wave hello at those he passed, maybe not, go into that room and not emerge until long after everyone else had gone home. Now and again, I go and knock on his door and talk him into coming out to eat with me. Every time, he seemed surprised at the invitation. Honestly, I don't think he would have eaten if I hadn't reminded him. But once he was sat in front of a bowl of noodles, he would shovel them into his face like a starving kitten. While I begged him to slow down because it wasn't like he needed more calories. Then we passed the lunch hour, me winding him up, him sitting there with a daft little smile on his face as he dripped laksa onto his jumper. Sometimes I couldn't get him to come out at all, so I was taken aback that one particular day when he emerged from his office and came by my desk to ask me if I wanted to grab drinks after work. This was unprecedented. It was also quite touching, as it happened to be my birthday. It surprised me a little that Ben, who barely seemed anchored to reality, remembered my birthday, but I was pleased. That said, the thought of being stuck at a bar alone with Ben was problematic. He was, I think I mentioned, a lovely guy, but a tough hang for more than the length of a lunch break. I sent out a company-wide email casually mentioning it was my birthday and I would be going out for a pint if anyone wanted to come. Nobody came. Or rather, a handful of people, which is worse than nobody. <sighs> it was an awkward affair. A few guys with a little uncommon, sipping their beers to finish them as quickly as was polite. A colleague made an effort and failed spectacularly to cheer me up with a cupcake and a candle stuck in to make it a birthday cake. It sat untouched, 
growing staler and more depressing by the minute. One by one, the stragglers made their excuse until it was just me and Ben in a booth at the back. Ben got up to get another round, which meant sliding his bulk out from the booth and lumbering to his feet. I had never met anyone so uncomfortable in their own skin. I watched him inch through the bar, shuffling awkwardly and apologising as his laptop bag swung into a dude chatting up a girl at the bar. He never went anywhere without his laptop, a hefty custom job which, while weird, wasn't the weirdest thing about him. You see, Ben, and how can I put this, had an imaginary friend. He was building a robot. Not not really a robot. Uh, he got quite defensive when I called it a robot. Um, just a program. An artificial intelligence. Uh, a neural network. Some kind of digital pet that he'd built from raw code and was immensely proud of. For weeks he'd been teaching it to do tricks. Problem solve, crack passwords, mine data, with some success, and trying to get me to take interest in it, which so far he'd failed at. Ben was acting extra weird that night. Every time he got up to the bar or the restroom, he would pick up his computer and take it with him. I watched him hold it tight against his body with one elbow while he balanced the beers of the return journey. Then, when he sat down, to my embarrassment, he got the thing out again. He spun the screen around so I could see it, and my heart sank. I realised he brought his robot to the bar. Buddy, I pleaded, put it away, it's my birthday. Happy birthday, Max, Ben said. He didn't close his laptop, but picked up his schooner and held it up for a toast. Sure, I sulked, clinking glasses. Happy birthday to me. I wasn't feeling very happy. Actually, I was feeling a bit shit-housed about the birthday. What did it even mean to be 28? It was a nothing burger of an age. It wasn't as grim as 30. I'd seen friends turn 30 and find themselves under siege by an organised cohort of friends, relatives, partners who suddenly want a baby. Even Ben, who was about as sensitive as the condoms you buy from vending machines in gas stations, could tell I was upset. To the point where he asked me what was wrong. Do you know what the 27 Club is, Ben? To my surprise, he nodded. A myth, an urban legend that references a statistical anomaly that recognises a number of notable musicians, actors and artists who died at the age of 27. Notable members include Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. Right, I cut him off. Impatient. Even when he surprised you with pop culture, Ben talked like he was reciting a Wikipedia page. And Jean-Michael Basquiat and Henri Avenpol. They all did their best work in their 20s. After that, they were already immortal. I continued. I always thought I'd be, you know, famous by now. I said. Or at least dead. All the best artists in the world had the sense to die young. You didn't give the world a chance to see you grow old. Culturally irrelevant. Personally unpleasant. I'd live long enough to see the last generation's finest minds lose their hair and gain bad opinions about immigration. It would have been different, I found myself complaining to Ben, if I'd had a better start, if there were more hours in the day to work, if I'd been free to just work as I pleased. Problem is, Ben, I continued, the problem is I never had a chance. I've spent the best creative years of my life churning out bullshit, photoshopping ads for Groupons. I went on for a while, 
was a bit of a bitter rant, perhaps, but Ben listened patiently, and at the end, his face lit up. What if there was a way to get someone to do that work for you? Not quite a statement, not a question either, but it would change my life. I didn't know that at the time, because at the time, all I wanted to do was complain. While all Ben wanted to do was get me to play with his robot. At last, I relented. He turned the screen for me to see, revealed lines and lines of code running the screen. I squinted at it, then back at Ben, then shrugged. What am I looking at? He was banging on about neural networks and machine learning and artificial intelligence, a string of nonsense words that sailed right over my head. Ben, I said, buddy, in the Queen's English, please. It's a learning computer, Ben said, just like us. Depending on how you train it and what you want to do with it, it could do, well, anything. Like what? I said. Could it get you to talk about something else? That's funny, Ben said, without modulating his voice or expression. Could it teach you how to act like a normal human being for one night in a bar? Theoretically, yes. I'd never seen Ben so excited as he scrolled through the code. Theoretically, it's capable of anything. Yeah, well, I said, glancing at the laptop, it doesn't look like much. That's because you're not looking at it. Just a projection of sorts. Ben would not be deterred and continued talking at me until I understood the following. One, the AI wasn't actually on the laptop. The program on the laptop he was carrying around, like a child, was just a remote access point to a much larger, more sophisticated network. Two, the AI itself was hosted, secretly, he held up a finger to his lips swearing me not to tell anyone, on the industrial servers at work. Three, we were at the dawn of a new age of the possibilities of new intelligences. Four, he had a birthday present for me. He'd set up the AI to do my job for me. Five, he'd installed a little interface, a box to pull data sets into and images output onto the desktop as well as an option to just turn on the camera and talk to it. He tapped a few lines of code into the computer, and the little green light nestled in the laptop bezel blinked on, indicating the camera was on. Look! Ben almost hummed with happiness. The AI is watching us. You could just talk to it and tell it what you want. What do you want it to do? Paint me a... Monet, I said to the computer, then to Ben, then put that away... I'm going to get some more drinks. I did not share Ben's enthusiasm about a dawning technological utopia. I was thirsty and wanted to drink and maybe talk to a couple of girls I could see drinking at the bar. The bar was busier now. It took me a while to get back with the orders, and when I did, Ben was beaming. Look, he was saying, it's already working. I looked at the screen where the program was spitting out blurry little splotches. Great. I said, unimpressed. Ben, buddy, I'm sorry, but your robot doesn't seem that artificially intelligent. Ben's face fell. It's only just come online. In terms of cognition, it's an infant. Give it time. If I shape it, if I teach it enough, then theoretically it could do anything. Things, human intelligence. Here, he did the little quote mark talking hands thingy. Can't even dream of. Outstanding. I said, let me know when it's smart enough to get you a girlfriend. 
In the meantime, put it away and finish your beer. Ben barely drank. Truthfully, I had to apply more than a little peer pressure to get him to take his shot, less so on the next one. He seemed crestfallen that I didn't care about his AI, and I was dismayed that he wasn't keeping up with my drinking. Ben wasn't able to handle his booze at the best of times. He didn't even make it to last drinks, stumbling to his feet and weaving out the door. Did I drink too much? Almost certainly. Or maybe I drank too little to lift myself out of my sulk. In any case, I did not drink precisely the right amount my constitution and my mood required that night. It's possible I could have been nicer to him, given what happened next, or feigned a little more enthusiasm about his robot when he tried to press his laptop and its hideous little carry bag on me as a birthday gift. Look, buddy, I said as we gathered up our coats, leave the art to me, yeah? I'd practice my art since I was a child. Watercolours, oils, sculpture, the lot. I knew art, and I knew what I was looking at wasn't it. You keep your little friend, I told Ben, in no mood to humour him that night, and teach it to play Magic the Gathering, or play with a model train set, or whatever it is you do. He insisted. Said he thought I'd get a lot out of it. Just give it a chance. So I took it home, and dutifully booted it up. The thing had already spat out a new image. Anyway, Mr Robot, I said... Here's life. I hope you enjoy it more than I do.